0: Welcome to the Adventure Creator Podcast number 28. My guest today is Didier Torres. We talk about how paragliding has impacted him as a person and the communities that he works with. As a software developer, Didier is creating a new medium or a new platform for storytelling and he talks a little bit about the details around that. But this conversation was a great time, and I look forward to sharing it. Here we go. Didier. Well, welcome welcome to the show. This is going to be a fun, fun conversation. Where are you coming in? Where are you calling in from today exactly? I know it's somewhere in Honduras.
1: Yeah, it's a small town called Valle uh, de Angeles. So um, in English, it's like a Valley of Angels, and it's like 40 minutes away from the main city, the capital.
0: Okay. Is it, uh, is it beautiful down there? Where does the name come from?
1: Oh, it, it's like a small valley in between mountains. And I don't I, to be honest. I don't really know where the angels part of <laughs> came from, but I don't, it, it just sounds nice.
0: Did you and, grow up there uh, or is, are or uh, how long have you been there?
1: Yeah, I grew up here. Um, my parents are from here. Um, my whole family lives here, and I'm, I stuck with
0: it, yeah. Very cool, man. Well, uh, we met last November, I believe it was, and uh, maybe you can give us a little context for how you found yourself in Banff, Canada at the Adventure Filmmakers Workshop, and uh, then maybe even take me a step back and talk about how you got into paragliding in the first place.
1: Oh, that, that's a fun story. Um, so I started... I started software developing like 10 years ago and one of the things that always interested me was movies and just uh, anything related to media and arts. That's why I got into computer programming and I spent the past uh, just nine years working on it and there was a point where I was just bored of it. So I started like looking for new things and um I started mixing software technology and and filming. and I saw one one video from Banff in Instagram, and oh shit this this looks good. I need to be there. <laughs> and I just look at the page. Uh, there was some open calls for a workshop, and I just signed and where I was there like six months later. Um, it was fun. And the cool thing is that I started pilot guiding also because of uh, of my job in, in technology. There was a guy that needed a web page and I was kind of skilled in that area. Mm-hmm. So the deal was that he was going to teach me how to fly and I was going to make a web page for him. And that was uh, three years ago. So I've been doing that for three years. And um, I think Banff just makes sense that making films adventure mountain culture and uh i needed to be there
0: yeah man uh you know i think just from what i remember and from what we've talked a little bit about before we started recording today like um you're very passionate about sharing this interest and passion for for flying and paragliding so what talk to me a little bit about your motivation behind why you like to talk about it, like how it's changed your life, how it's impacted you and like where this passion really comes from.
1: Yeah. So, well, I, I think there's a lot of, um, my, my family has a lot of history with teaching here and my mother's a teacher. My grandma, uh, she's a teacher also. So it's kind of inside me, uh, that feeling of sharing with others knowledge. And, um, the paragliding instructor here he's um he's from canada also so that was that was another cool thing me being in banff and him being in canada's all merged there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but um so the history of paragliding here came because there was a guy in like a small town near my my town that he wanted to fly and he had no money to do it and uh my mentor and like a uh, big friend from canada he somehow managed to get a group of pilots come down here and teach. And then those same pilots came like years later and we started building schools and started building, uh, social projects. So everything just like merged together, uh, the sport, uh, the social work, the, um, technology I'm using. So everything just like went into a pot and everything just mixed interesting
0: so So how exactly did talk to me a little more about like how all these things merged because um it's it's cool to hear i didn't even realize like the connection between the social work the technology and the actual sport like what what exactly is going on and and in uh where you live
1: yeah yeah so um so practicing paragliding or any extreme sport really um you need um and this is an amount of like resources to make it like you need a car, you need a equipment. Mm -hmm. Some of that gear is, it's, it's not cheap. Um, so the idea behind the social projects was that, uh, well, if you have the time and resources to go and practice that, why not help the communities near the mountains where you do it? Right. Right. So Honduras is a really poor country in terms of, um, social development and, and, and the economy, but it's very rich in, in tourism spots, uh, extreme activities, and there's a lot of potential.
0: Mm.
1: So those two things kind of uh, go hand by hand, right? Uh, growth and economic development and tourism and the sport that we are practicing. So the guys that came here and, and teach people how to fly, they are from an NGO called uh, the Cloud CloudBase Foundation. So the Cal- Calbase Foundation, it's, uh, it's a collective of uh gliding pilots and they create campaigns and uh, get funds and then distribute those funds among people in the rural areas where they fly. Uh. Um, actually, Honduras was one of those areas and uh, they came here, they helped a lot. And then there was another NGO created here in my town and I became the vice president of it, so um, so that's how everything came together. And this this uh, NGO has been replicating the same projects like in Nepal, in India, here in Honduras. In
0: yeah, I'm in scrolling on the page right now. Uh, I see Namaste Pilots. It looks like Nepal and um, very cool website. And I'll definitely I'll link that below here. So if anyone wants to check it out at this point, you just scroll down and check out the website there. So you. Um, Sorry to cut you off, keep going. This this is super cool actually. I'm uh I'm listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So um so uh, everything there there's there's a really nice story here. I think that's mm-hmm. what also took me to to band. Um there's this story of um my teacher and now a, a really really good friend. It's, he's a Canadian pilot that came here. He fell in love with the country and he was flying one day in the mountains and there was this little boy and he he was in the field he was in the cornfield just looking up the sky and seeing this other dude fly with a with a backpack on his on his back right
0: mm-hmm.
1: so my friend landed on on one of the spots there near the cornfield and this small kid went running to him just asking if he could teach him how to fly uh and so that's the story of how paragliding came into into place and because of similar stories and the work that this NGO is doing, like putting pilots as uh effective agent, agents of uh change in their communities, um the the, the supporting activity here is really sustainable. And that that uh, everything regarding that uh, story like touched me. So I think that's one of the reasons that I went to Banff also just to learn how to tell that. Mm-hmm. And, and because I just wanted to share the the amazing things that we have here and uh, what we have to offer.
0: Yeah, man, that's yeah. it's super cool. That's uh, that story. I mean, just the way you tell it right there, I can clearly tell your, you know, your passion, but also just like your ability to tell stories. Um, cool. I'm sure it's improved over over the course of time. But um, are you working on a project actively on this? And how's that going? Yeah, so we we uh, we tend to see stories as
1: a linear thing, uh but the way technology structures narratives now, you can um, illustrate several stories at one time. So um what I'm working on right now is kind of a platform where you can upload stories for a specific uh i don't know activity, and then a web portal is going to show you like the stories around the globe. so let's say that you have a story in Canada. Mm-hmm. or in usa or in nepal and then i have a story in Honduras and a story in Costa Rica or any place there's always something that's connecting that um so i think i'm using technology to tell that story right i'm using technology yeah. to to connect the dots um so that's what i'm working on right now it's it's a really complex idea and and an abstract concept but yeah. uh, i'm getting there it's... we're going
0: we're, we're getting you got you you've got my interest peaked, that's for sure. It sounds like a super cool project and a way to like bring together your skills with your passion, which I always find super cool when I see people like just this is like one of the more creative things that I've ever heard. Like where did the initial idea come from and uh how has it like kind of developed to where it's at now?
1: Well everything developed from the problem that I had explaining a story so because i'm really involved in the community and i'm really involved in the in the birth of the sport here um i didn't have a like a structured way of telling oh so we first did this and then we did that and that connected here and that connected there
0: i see what you're saying
1: so it was really hard to explain everything and i was like ah well i can i can build something to to tell this story so, um, so that's how the the initial idea came, and uh, I've I've met a lot of interesting people uh, along the way. So I think any any story that I can probably tell, I'm gonna tell it that way.
0: Hmm. So how exactly? Where? Try and like help me visualize like what this platform or what this medium looks like. So you say like there's multiple stories sort of advancing in parallel. Like how does that? What does that look like as far as like the person who's going to be interacting with it? What are they going to see?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is where I'm uh, practicing my marketing skills and (laughs) I'm just going to show you that it's going to be something awesome. Awesome. Uh, But um, yeah, no, the the basic concept is that you as a person, you have a specific um, interest and your interests are not the same as uh, uh, a person in, I don't know, let's say uh, Miami or in New York. So there's going to be several parameters and several uh, key elements that are going to determine which of the stories that are in the platform you're going to be seen first. Hmm. So there's going to be uh, an onboarding process first. So you're going to, let's say, put your name and then just select, oh, I like uh, skateboard. I like uh, snowboarding. So that's going to help the platform decide which which story you get to see first and then it's just like a regular web platform where you choose i want to see this and i want to see that Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's that Um, but i think the the cool concept is that uh, uh, every story is going to be tailored for you
0: Hmm. well any idea when it's going to be complete or at least version one is going to be out there
1: yeah so the idea was going to uh hoping to complete it by the end of uh november this year but you know we got covid mm-hmm. so uh yeah that's that, that's going to slow down everything um but hopefully in the next uh six months we we wrap it up and uh by january next year we start filling it with with stories and and um and footage and and everything we need
0: cool well man let me know if i can help out at all i'm working on finishing off a film about my two friends and their dog that are skiers up here in Washington. So if you're looking for a a little short film, then, uh, I'll, I'll throw that one on there for sure.
1: We'll put it there. Yeah, for sure.
0: So what, what, uh, when you went to Banff, I went to Banff the year before you and then came back and visited. I had such a good time the first time. Um, what were some of the biggest like learnings? How did that week change your perspective as a storyteller Talk to me about what your biggest takeaways were.
1: No, it was um, it was a weird experience because uh, for the first time, I was getting into something that I didn't really uh, master. Like I didn't really had any background supporting what I was trying to do. So I was surrounded by people that were like, okay, so I've done three or four films and I'm like, oh, shit. I only had like, Five minutes of footage, like <laughs> properly edited and uh, and and put up. Like, uh, I do have a lot of content, but I'm I'm not an editor. I'm not a a, a content creator, right? I'm a developer. Like, that's if you look at it in terms of creativity, I'm on the gray spectrum of 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 that side, right? <laughs> uh, All how you look at so, it. Man. So it so it was weird, but at the same time, it was like really refreshing because uh, everyone was asking me like, oh, so so how does the technology behind this work and, and how how are you going to create this? And so I got a lot of interesting points of view that I didn't have before because I was assuming, oh, I know everything in, in this part, so I don't need to change anything. I'm just going to focus on on the creativity part. But that was wrong. Like people, even if they don't understand how the technology works, they can tell you how uh, how you could uh, point it to a way that it's going to appeal to them. Right. Uh, I think that was the most, uh, I think that was the thing that most stuck with me. And the other thing is that I should, uh, every time I go to Canada, I should pack uh, an extra layer of clothes
0: because that was, (laughs) I
1: I was crazy, like coming from the Caribbean, like from a tropical weather, going into the uh, the first day, we're we're hard,
0: yeah. That's a serious learning lesson in itself. When I went to, I remember, it sounds like you and I had similar, similar experiences because when I went the year before, I was also extremely green, extremely new. I was like a, I was a business student and I had made videos on the side for fun, but I never, when I showed up, I was the one person in my group who's like, I have no, like very little to teach others. At least from my own perspective, I was thinking like nobody can learn anything from me. But then it turns out, like, I have my experience that I was able to share, and we all actually naturally, like, you kind of learn from each other throughout the week. Um, I had a, I had an extremely sort of uh, not only inspirational, but inspirational, ins- what am I saying? Inspirational. But, like, empowered me to actually, like, think that I could do things, like, make films that before I'd be like, oh, no, that takes too much skill, or that's, like, beyond my understanding. So did you... Go back to Honduras with like a new, uh, like positive attitude towards what's possible, and how has that um, impacted you?
1: Oh yeah, uh, like, like like you said, I had a, I was thinking like I there's no skill here that anyone's gonna take from me, and uh, my idea was that I'm going there and I'm just talking about what I'm doing, and I'm gonna grab any comment, any review, any whatever. People tell me I'm just gonna grab it and learn from it, mm-hmm. and I did that. But um, the other thing is that you don't really know like how good your idea could be until you like put it out there, right? Good point. Um, and uh, my my concept before was one thing, and when I came back, it was completely different. Like mm. just just being in the workshop, just being in BAM, just being in the center, pitching it a bunch uh, of times,
0: talking to different people about it.
1: Changed everything. And Uh then uh, I met someone that that was uh, working on a similar project. And I was like, okay, so, you know, I came all the way from Honduras, like miles away, like thousands of miles away. And you're here. So I think that was the magic, right? Like Mm -hmm. making that happen. Um, And we were we're still in touch and we're like uh, uh, getting like similar feedbacks and we're sharing. So that's one cool thing. And the other thing that happened like i don't know like two hours after i got to banff mm. was that my roommate he was also working on a paragliding story so so we were like oh okay so we are in the same room here uh, let's just share ideas right uh-huh. um so i came back like a completely different person like i was like somehow close to my initial concept and now it's just like I'm really open and um, I grab feedback from everywhere I can and I learn from it. And, um, you know, any any aspect of your career, be it business or programming or marketing, you need to tell a story. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. You need a narrative structure. Like there's there's something that you need to tell a story every time in your career. Right. And uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's business or programming or technology or whatever. You need a narrative structure, and uh, that was something that I didn't really completely understand before Banff, and just meeting a lot of creators, a lot of uh, content creators Mm -hmm. and and storytellers, that helped a lot. Like, I'm completely different after that trip.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I I 100% echo what you're saying. I think building, like, the craft of storytelling, no matter which direction you go in your career, whether it's, like, an engineer or developer or even like a manager, whatever it is, like crucial, crucial skill. And one that's uh, never truly like masterable. It's just like, there's so many levels to it. And um, I I love these conversations because it's essentially storytelling on a small scale off the cuff, just talking about things that you're passionate about that you know about. So um, you're getting, you're getting my synapses fire in here for sure. And uh, reminded me of, yeah, the Bamf uh, sounds like they're not doing so well. Their their business uh, laid off a bunch of the people, and hopefully the festival happens this year. But it may not. Sounds like,
1: yeah. But you know, I think I think this uh, this global crisis with COVID nineteen and the pandemic opens a lot of doors for um, for story setting for mm-hmm. technology or or, um, or any kind of media like i i just uh i just uh find out that banff is going to held the festival uh, online oh right? they are yeah so that opens doors for transmedia uh, storytelling right yeah. some some of the projects that i'm currently working on uh, a year before everyone was like oh man you're crazy how is going to people uh, enjoy something online mm. and now that's how the festival is going to go right yeah a lot so, of people
0: traditionally make the film for like the theater experience and you're already you're running towards making films for a different medium that's now becoming way more popular it sounds like it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah yeah so so, so in, in a way I was kind of uh uh prepared for something like like COVID hitting and, and and not being on a creative spot where I was running like old technology and doing something in a traditional way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, uh, it's not just me, like anyone can innovate and like just this podcast, you know, um, this is a way of storytelling and putting content out there, um, that you don't need, to, uh, uh, like you do need like a narrative traditional, like structure, uh, but if this is your space and you can do whatever you want with it, right? Like, so, um, years before this will, will be not possible. Um, so I'm really enjoying this, these new opportunities.
0: That's awesome. I had a conversation yesterday with a guy who there's are There's so many themes. Like you talk about different films, having connecting, uh, themes, but different conversations and podcasts. It's the same way. Like I've had, this is number 28 now. And, the more I talk to people about what they're passionate about, naturally certain themes come up. And one of them that we talked about yesterday was uh, just being able to learn from anybody. So it's like just to kind of put a knot on what we were talking about, about BAMF is, um, I think it's crucial. What I, what I was reminded of yesterday and now here I am today hearing you say the same thing is how important it is to just keep an open mind to learn from everybody that you interact with. So it's super cool for me to hear from, a developer, someone from, you know, halfway across the world from Honduras. And uh, I think we can, we learn from different perspectives so much more than, you know, our, our nearby perspectives. So that's uh, this. Yeah. I totally, totally love. It. And I see the um, really the, the form of podcasting kind of similar to you and the sense of it's a little bit more accessible now in this digital age um, where people just can throw it on and go for a walk and you don't have to sit down and be in a certain place or anything anytime you can watch it so I love it so were you able to keep working and give me talk to me a little bit right before we started recording you were saying that Honduras had a pretty strict uh policies around going outside and stuff like that
1: yeah um so this is uh something that it's uh it's really hard to put it in, in perspective unless you you know how the place works and you've been here or you've been in a similar place. But um, just going to the store or just going to town is, a, is another adventure, right? I could make a movie about it. <laughs> um, like we are restricted to going out one day every two weeks. So you need to get your supplies. You need to do everything in one day and then come back and get home. Because there was a lot of uh, uh, funding going into health system, but everything was stolen. There's a lot of corruption and mal- bad management here. So uh, that, that's a really big problem. Um, so, yeah, you need to.
0: That's insanely to- strict. Like You haven't. So for the last four months, you've only been out of the house one time per week or two weeks.
1: Yeah, so the thing is that I live 40 minutes away from the capital, mm-hmm. right, from the main city. It's it's not that strict here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but still you only get to uh, go up like maybe two times a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but in the main cities, yeah, there's been cases where um, every, every store has been locked down. Like you can't go anywhere because uh, uh, it's really strict because all you can get uh, i don't know two or three people infected and then everything spreads to my mm-hmm. pounds um so yeah it's it, it's hard um i i somehow uh i've been working from home for the past four years so i kind of adapted myself to the remote working and being at home and at the computer and working so
0: so that uh, transition be, wasn't too bad
1: yeah no, it, it wasn't that bad like, and same the for only me thing that I miss is just being outside and like before I could go just grab my wing and go fly, yeah. Uh, now you can't do that, so it's hard.
0: When was the last time you flew? I was like, I think
1: March, oh, yeah, man. March.
0: And uh, wow, well, any idea when the, the flying is gonna open up? I saw that video that you posted on your Facebook of I think it was like a German or Austrian guy being told that they opened paragliding back up when he was at the bar dancing.
1: Yeah. So I, don't, I, I don't know. I think probably by the end of, uh, by the end of August. End of August. Oof. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's open up here. I I was just um, coming back from mountain biking today. And uh, every time you go up the highway, there's this one spot called poo poo point. Have you ever been up near Seattle no. area? There's a, spot often like in the evenings there'll be like 20 or 30 paragliders up in the air it's pretty cool pretty popular spot near us but it's open up here you got to come visit i guess
1: uh i'll pay you a bit, yeah <laughs> uh, i go yeah for sure
0: so uh when i because paragliding is super interesting to me i was one time at the top of a mountain with my buddy we hiked up to the top of this mountain and we were actually in switzerland and this guy probably like in his fifties walks up with a huge backpack and we're looking at him like, what's he got in that backpack? It looked like he had a helmet. So I thought maybe he was going to go climb, but we were already at the top of the mountain. So it didn't really make sense. And uh, he starts pulling out his wing and my buddy and I just watched him set up his wing, casually have a conversation with us and then just, just run down the mountain and be flying. We just saw him take off. And in that moment I committed to myself that someday I would learn to paraglide and, uh, so one of the kind of selfish reasons for getting on this conversation is to get some motivation to actually learn paragliding.
1: I'll do it. I, I'll motivate you. Um, <laughs> this is what I tell, this is what I tell everyone that asks me how, uh, and why I fly. Right. Um, so it's, it's an amazing sport cause you have everything you need in a small bag. Like you, you put everything in a bag. You put it there, you go up to a mountain, just take it out and you see the birds and you can be there like in five minutes, right? You can be there with them, you can just soar and if you want to, you can go farther, right? Um, and there's, there's like few things that give you that sense of, uh, of freedom. And when you're up, there's like really chill. Like you can meditate, you can you can get into the clouds, and you can mm. see everything down. And, um, it's a really peaceful experience. Uh, but also, it's a really uh, you gotta get into the sport with a mindset that you. You, you are. for me, it was really a humbling experience because I thought that I knew a lot of things which I don't. Um, <laughs> You go into a sport with that kind of mindset, you're gonna get like into serious danger. So, um, yeah, just just understanding how the mechanics of flight work, um, it was it was really interesting and makes you really humble because you know that you literally depend on the laws of physics working, right? So, if if one of those physics was wrong. You go down and you die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so I, I call it a magic bag. You have magic <laughs> in your bag. Have it and just go flying. Um, and um, the, the 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 cool thing here is that there's only five or f- actually four wow. pilots in in
0: the whole country. Really, um, in your whole country?
1: Yeah. So I'm the second one. My my tutor was the first one, and then there's two other guys. Wow! Um, so we're we're developing the sport here. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. And so you go flying, and you can see, like you when you fly down, and you see the the roof of um, of the houses, and you see kids just running and waving at you, and screaming. Um, so that's that's also really nice. That's why I do it.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's awesome. I can tell. That I, I'm hooked, man. Um, So you, your boss for this, or your client taught you how to paraglide. He was the first paraglider in Honduras, basically?
1: Yeah, so he's from Canada, Uh and he came down here uh, to do some work. It just fell in love with the country, and he came with his wing. So he asked if there was someone flying, and there was no one. So he slowly um started developing the 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 sites Mm
0: -hmm.
1: years later he met this other kid and he was a teacher and brought another group of pilots and and years later he met me and we started working together and and then we met another guy that wanted to learn and so how that's that's how the community was was growing very Um, cool
0: just like just one naturally kind of growing one person after the other so you talk about like the freedom. I I um I'm making this film about my two friends that a lot of the stuff they do is ski touring. And uh my one buddy, he just really sums up why he loves ski touring in a similar way, which is like that ability to choose your own route. Like it doesn't it's not something you get when you're hiking. Uh it's not necessarily something you get when you're mountain biking cuz you're kind of following trails a lot of the times. But um I love that as well. And the other thing that I always Thought would be cool about paragliding is when you get older and your knees don't really work that well maybe you can just fly down hike up and then fly down save the knees
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah is that so, realistic uh, <laughs> that, that's that's realistic yeah let, let's let's say it's realistic um so i got a friend Um he's uh he's like 40 or 45 years old and he said that he wanted to learn but he was afraid that um, his knee was going to stop working, cause he had an operation. Mm. And I told him, like, look, you only need one leg. You can just hop your way to the mountain, grab your wing, and, and then start flying. When you're up there, you don't need legs. You just need your hands, right? Um, and he was like, I'll think about it. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. And the other, the other cool thing that I have to say about um, uh, just flying is that. And, and the freedom is that uh, you you can go any place in the world and you're always going to find someone that flies there and the community is like really supportive and you can talk to another pilot and they're gonna help you and they're gonna teach you things that you don't know. They're gonna give you advice. And they, they, uh, they have genuine interest in the communities where they fly. And uh, in any way they can help, they can help. And there was another story here. And uh, now that you mentioned uh, we we are talking about needs, we do a lot of social work with the community of pilots here. So there was one boy that lives near one of the landing zones that he can't walk. So we got together as a group of pilots and got some funding and bought a wheelchair, like a four wheel drive wheelchair, like kind of <laughs> like a rough wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uses it on the on the backcountry and, and um, he, he still doesn't walk, but now he can move around and he's always there uh, in one of the landing zones. Like we land sometimes like by sunset and he's always there like cheering and like uh, and screaming and just waiting for us. Wow. So, uh, that, that's another cool stuff. Yeah.
0: Talk a little bit about, more about how I love this natural like harmony between the sport and how the people who do the sport naturally are going to care about the communities in that area. Like how is, how are these organizations like functioning and providing value to the people who live in that area? And, and like, what's the kind of the, I'm sure you guys learn through the process of being there, providing maybe the wheelchair, maybe just the the lessons or the uh, training, teaching kids like, what exactly do you guys do and what does that look like
1: yeah so um so so the cloud-based foundation has been doing this for a while uh we have uh, i think um three or four years working in the same projects here in honduras but they've done working nepal in india and so the the concept behind that is that like tourism and the sport can be a, a way of promoting economic development in in, in the area or in, in the communities where we fly so in our case here uh, we see the sport as a way of uh, making the small communities in the mountains have another income and have a way of uh, of making a living and one of the pilots he's native of one of those communities so he's kind of the uh, big inspiration for other, Uh, children and other uh, future athletes there so that's that's part of the work. like really Um, you can help you can put together money but in the long term just the inspiration that you give people yeah um, that pays off like a hundred percent more than uh, just giving money
0: do you think as far as because I like to ask people about like their mindset um, and just developing like resilience the ability to like When something like challenging happens, the ability to like push through often, you can only develop that through like challenges and learning and things like that. So obviously I I can put two and two together here and imagine that if you're the type of person who learns how to fly, like you said, maybe humbled through the process, um, maybe talk a little bit about more about how paragliding actually improves you as a person or improves your, your mindset, mind state or mindset.
1: Um, i I always like to make the um, uh the like i like to compare myself before and after my first flight and uh, so in order to fly you need to learn like uh if you want to be a good pilot you need to learn math you need to learn uh uh how to make calculations in in your head when you're in the air and but you also need to be humble enough to take advice from people that have more experience than you and also um, learn from them. So before my first flight, I used to be this guy that, Oh, I know technology. I know math. I know calculus. I know how everything works. Mm -hmm. Right. I know the theory and you think that that's everything. But in reality, (laughs) you could be up there and the mountain could be speaking another language. (laughs) Like everything, you know, yeah, just leave it, just leave it down there. Like everything's different. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's the most important thing, but the other is that, um, you kind of, uh, understand how everything is connected. So in order for us to keep flying, we need good weather conditions and to have good weather conditions, we need to take care of our environment and to do that, we need to look for ways to keep, um, order in the mountain, like, uh, planting trees or help people like, uh, uh, these crops here, they're good, but if you could put them there, uh, this won't affect the mountain as uh, as it as it's doing now. So you kind of develop this uh, ecological way of thinking, and I think every mountain sport gives you that. Mm. Um, but the most uh, challenging thing in paragliding is that once you're up there, you're alone. Like you need to really trust yourself. So you're like two kilometers above the ground like you're literally looking down and one mistake can put you in the top of it mm-hmm. um so i think i think that like just trusting like learning how to trust yourself that's that's the biggest uh, uh reward the thing is that in a country like mine people don't usually uh Follow orders, but they do follow someone else and they put their trust in, in someone else. So you kind of need to develop that hacker mentality in society that has you like really tight. And uh, for me, that's paragliding. Like, if you can take that from paragliding and put it into the society, like, we, we can really improve it. Um, so that's me putting everything everything together.
0: It makes a ton of sense to me. I uh, never have paraglided, but mountain biking, ski touring, ski touring specifically, just because when you go in the backcountry to go skiing, you're very aware of the avalanche conditions and the avalanche conditions are dependent on the weather conditions, specifically if the temperature goes up and down a lot above and below the freezing point, things like that. Like you have to, it's not just about going out there and being physically strong or something like that. Like you're, also on your own back there. If something happens, uh, you have often just a few minutes to like recover from that accident. Other otherwise, um, you know, no one's coming to help you. So that's like, how do you in paragliding, I'm sure a lot of people ask you this, but like, how do you deal with the risk in your head? The first time you go fly, I can imagine it's overwhelming. Or do you spend a lot of time practicing? Like, is there like a flight simulator version? Like, I don't know how the learning process works, but how do you deal with the risk? And do you see so, it as like a high risk at this point? Because I've heard people say that once you kind of get it down, it's a relatively low risk. Maybe it's more dangerous just to drive to the mountain than it is to fly.
1: Yeah, no, it's like I've never been in a in a crash in paragliding. Like I've never, I, I had a few scratches like when you're learning, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I have more harm done to my body inside my house, like bumping into a door or something. <laughs> Than paragliding, um, but yeah, at the beginning you have your uh, your training sessions. You do it on uh, you do it in a small field. You do it on a small mountain, a small hill, and then you gradually go to higher altitude. Then you just throw yourself. Um, but the funny thing here is that because this is a new sport in 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 my country, I was kind of the test dummy <laughs> <laughs> uh, testing these, uh these new uh, uh, sites, so um, so it, it was challenging because uh, I was kind of learning myself how to fly, but we were also learning how to teach here. Um, so that was that was interesting. Uh, but you, you can get flight simulators. You can go online and just grab the theory. Mm-hmm. But at the end, the only thing that uh, that's going to give you the the real experience is just being there. So uh, yeah, and. Um, this experience from other pilots that you li- really need to listen.
0: What types of lessons? I mean, what what's like the basics? Like, do you have to learn like wind and pressure, atmospheric pressure? Like, what are some of the basics just so I can get a taste?
1: Yeah, so the first thing is that you really need to develop your cloud watching skills. <laughs>
0: like, okay.
1: Like, like now I can go up and, and just... Look at the sky and see. oh, okay, so that cloud is moving east. That cloud is moving north. And that's going to give you a sense of how the wind is behaving. Um, So that's like the first steps. Mm. Then you get into more sophisticated tools. Like you can go online and just look at the weather map. Oh, so we see this mass of air moving from the north. This is going to hit us in like two days. And then it does. Mm. So you kind of learn how to predict weather. Better than the people that tell you in in the news, right? Yeah, uh, you, you you learn how to do it, and and then you it, it kind of became second nature when you're in in the mountain. It's uh, it's an instinct. You get there and you can feel it. You can oh, today's gonna be a, a good day, and then you you just wait for it, and um, and just go fly. So uh, I I think I think it gives you another uh, an extra sense. Like you develop another. Uh, superpower, if you if you can cut it that way. Yeah. I
0: can I can see like, kind of the parallels to maybe like a river guide. The way they see a river, it's like for me, I look at just a bunch of, bunch of waves on on a river, and they're seeing the actual currents and where the boat's gonna go. That's. Uh, did you see? By the way, this just came in my mind. Did you see the film where the guy did, um, a GoPro film of him going through like the Middle East and maybe like the a lot of the Stan countries. Um, I forget exactly which countries, but where he like runs into like some guys with guns at one point, just like really, really great film shot all on his own.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the top Paraglider pilots. Uh, The cool thing is that he's also a computer science uh, teacher. teacher?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I was watching that and I was like, oh, man, that's you. that's probably my future, and uh, <laughs> I like it. And actually, that film won. I think it was the best adventure film. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that, it got an award.
1: Yeah, it went an award. Yeah. yeah,
0: that was one of the best films I saw this year, and uh, just also a testament to the fact that you don't need nice cameras or anything. You don't need a big crew. Like he was just shooting all on his GoPro, all by himself, and the story is yeah, so incredible.
1: I, I don't, I don't know if it happens to you, but um since i got into filmmaking like i tend to look at film and just try to analyze like how everything's done right. right and then i i because i'm working on the project right now but then i tend to overthink and say oh okay so i need that camera and i need mm-hmm. this and i need that but then like at the end you only need one thing and that's the story mm-hmm. so if you know how Know that you could do it with your pocket camera and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're done. Um, that's the other thing that paragliding gave me, like patience um, to wait for good conditions and to learn how to do things the right way. But it also gave me this extra sense of, oh man, just go for it. Like just jump and just go flying. So there's times that you need to do that switch. Uh, one time, analyze things. The other time, just do it.
0: That's well said. Well said. How do you apply that in your life? Give me an example of how you've, uh, like jumped all in on something, but also calculated.
1: Yeah. So I have a, uh, I have a younger brother and he's, uh, he's also getting into park lighting, Um, and we're starting this, uh, this business together. And, uh, my, my software developer side was like, oh, we should analyze everything. Let's just, uh, you know, this take this, uh, analyze it, see how it's going to work, and just overthink and overplan and, like, overestimate things. And, uh, but now I'm just like, oh, fuck, just do this, just do that. <laughs> and that right? um, just go for it. Like, if, if, we if that doesn't work, like, we change it on the go. Like, let's just grab the bag, fly. And if it doesn't, like, we have a parachute, that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the way I see things, most of the things right now. I could go into, like, a two-hour conversation and how I'm applying that philosophy. (laughs) Well,
0: it's a great balance. Like, the harmony I love between, uh, it's, like, patience and, like, sense of urgency at the same time, almost the same, kind of similar idea, where it's, like, you're acting, you're making it happen, but you're also, you have a direction that you're going. You seem to me like someone who definitely thinks things through, but it's also can be paralyzing if you're just analyzing and analyzing and researching and never just building and moving forward.
1: Yeah. So, so this is a kind of a a hack I have. Like a, a I apply it on on most of the things I do. Is I have a spreadsheet, and have you seen? There's this movie um, from Ben Stiller. It's like a, a guy that makes. Uh, risk assessments if to see if you're like insurable like if you can get an insurance I maybe don't
0: know. rings a bell uh,
1: so uh, i have a spreadsheet and i put like money or whatever i need to calculate but um you can you can see a graph like how everything's going to be working but i also have another one where i have a, a straight line and if that straight line matches uh my level of risk, I just like say, "Oh fuck it, let's go for it," right? Mm. So I I kind of have that parameterized, like like I have parameters for that. So that's my software development thinking. Wow, but but that that's on one point, uh, but on the other side. So
0: what like, exactly is in this spreadsheet? Explain to me what like how you, how you weight things and how, what's an example of how you've used it.
1: Well, so. Um, anything i have right and i i have i track that and um i don't own much like i just have my bag a car and that's it mm. um but i but i do like have everything in numbers like i have this i can use this and that gives me a sense of uh security like i can go this far right um so i use that to analyze like my next uh six months like mm. right? okay so i'm gonna cuz one thing i i usually do is i i grab projects and i work on them <coughs> that gives me that's you.
0: excuse me hopefully i turned my mic off for the recording part of it at least <laughs> go ahead uh,
1: so yeah the, so the, that usually gives me a sense of how my i don't know my next months are going to be and that gives me enough space to plan the next adventure.
0: Something right? like going to Banff, for example, like you have to decide like is this worth it, worth the risk, worth the money?
1: No, for Banff and for that kind of things, I was just like, no, I'm not gonna take a look at that spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because if if I was going to put numbers in that, like, dude, you're gonna spend money going to another country, they're not gonna pay you. Mm-hmm and you're going there just to watch films. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? No, don't do that, right?
0: So I didn't take Sounds a look ridiculous. at the
1: spreadsheet, Like I was just like, no, put it away, Okay. just went for it. Um, but sometimes that helps, like when you're adventure planning, um, you kind of need that. Like if you're going to be two weeks in the mountain, you need to know that you have the resources to to make it and, and come back.
0: I, I see. So specifically with like your adventures.
1: Yeah, but I, life is an adventure, right? So sometimes you have to plan it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So what uh what do you see if you could vision it sounds like you you have a little you have some vision of where you want to go, teach people uh you're very passionate about paragliding obviously. Like do you see yourself being a, another teacher paraglider like the guy in the film and uh, how are you going to get there? Like, what's what are you working on right now towards that goal, or or you know, define that goal for me first? too, what it looks like to you?
1: Sure. Um, if you're asking me that now, but it's probably going to change right. in every week, right? Uh, and 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 not the way I'm going to, not not the goal, but the way I'm going to accomplish that. So, uh, my main interest and my main goal is to. Make education accessible, right? Um, so if I can do that with paragliding, I'm gonna do it that way, and I've I've been doing that. Like with uh, in 2018, I was in Nepal, and you see in this page, there's a Namaste Pilots yeah. school, with, right? Uh, so that's part of the projects that this NGO is working on, and I was there. I was like taking footage, documenting things, uh, getting interviews, and um, that's just a way for me to record how education is working in other places and and uh and see how i can help right so if uh by by any accident or something i don't i can't fly anymore i'm just gonna find another way to to do it Mm. um and i don't know if i can put that in the story and if i can put that in a film i'm gonna do it too so
0: i love it very cool man um do you get a lot out of teaching yourself like how has teaching allowed you to grow because a lot of the times it's not just you teaching someone else but you're learning kind of the other way like what have since you started doing a lot of this social work and teaching kids like what have you learned
1: well like if if you're gonna teach something you gotta not master it but understand it so I started teaching online I started like teaching People, how to code, how to program, how mm. to create uh, web pages, whatever they could. And um, that was in 2014. And I started teaching some uh, teenagers in Africa. Uh, I think it was in Nigeria. And, and like, sent me an email, like, thanking me, like, thanks, because I got a job now. Cool. Uh, you taught me how, how to code, and I have a job. So wow. that was really inspiring
0: yeah i um, that's incredible
1: so I, I think the motivation that that gives you uh it's enough for you to just keep going and obviously every time you you learn something and you teach it you became more you master it and and you have another skill that you can use right like before paragliding i knew like one percent of the one percent of how to predict the weather and now i can take a look at the map and see, oh, you know, that mountain, that's going to, in two days, that's going to rain, uh, that's going to be water there. And that water, you can use it for uh, your crops or for, uh, mm. I don't know, watering plants or whatever you're going to use it in the mountain. So that ability to predict that kind of weather pattern only came from paragliding and then only came from teaching how to paraglide to others. So... Everything's connected, like every every skill that you gain and if you can teach it, you you for sure can master it. So, I think that's the main thing you get when you're teaching.
0: Wow, I'm uh I'm excited to to keep learning. I learn I love being curious like I learn so much through every one of these conversations, but uh specifically you seem like you just have a very analytical brain and to bring that into like this adventure sports world is a very uh It's like a potent combination because a lot of the times adventure sports, you think, oh, just send it or just, you know, don't think about it. It's more about like the action. But the way you're describing uh, paragliding specifically, it's like there's a whole intellectual planning side of it, which is uh, something that I hadn't even thought about before this conversation, really.
1: Yeah, but, you know, um, everyone's different. Like some people are like they – don't find it hard to learn for me the first three or four lessons were really hard because my brain was like thinking and oh you're gonna go flying so you need to do this but in reality you just need to fit it right um so for me that was really hard but once you get it you get it you go to fly Mm -hmm. but like you go to the other end of the spectrum and you have someone that's grabs the wing and in two or three hours it's a master and Mm -hmm. you can see that it's natural, right? Um, and we have that kind of uh, mentalities, abilities in every sport. Um, I tried biking, and I was really good at it, but it didn't give me that freedom that park has has given. Um, but I, I know a lot of people that are really scared of, uh, of going flying because of the heights. But when you give them a bike, and, man, they fly <laughs> meters off the ground, I'm like that's way more more dangerous than what I'm doing, right?
0: Uh-huh. That's so true. I I uh, I see those guys flying through the air on the bikes too, and I think I don't. I've never been paragliding again, but it's uh, you know very high risk when you're mountain biking. That's for sure. I actually, you know, I actually I don't know if I told you this. I sprained the heck out of my ankle like two weeks ago. Like literally, almost broke it like three miles up a trail. Huge heavy backpack and I was just walking I stepped on a root and sprained my ankle Is uh, Just walking I got injured so You know if you can get hurt doing anything And uh, I think there's no reason To hold yourself back Like if you're gonna like be worried About fear of injury I think if you can calculate the risk And be smart about it um, I don't see I don't see you as Like a crazy man over here like it sounds like You've you learn things you go Slow you start on a small hill and you build up so that's uh, alright I'm, I'm not so worried I, jumping out of a plane though that's a little different story I don't I don't know about just jumping out of a plane for me I don't see I'm not as drawn to that have you ever done that?
1: no and um, that's the other thing that I want to get into like if, if you go into the whole spectrum of flying mm. I'm just at the bottom like you can get into base jumping and yeah. and all that uh, but I think I need more humbling experiences like i'm still i'm still at a point where i'm not that humble to go and trust uh that my parachute is going to work when i'm uh like falling down Mm -hmm. and uh, for it to open yeah and i might get hurt so um i'm not there yet Uh, yeah once i once I feel that I'm there i'm gonna I'm gonna try it
0: do you see yourself as a bit of an adrenaline junkie or do you get pleasure it's the way you've been describing it you just enjoy being in the air interacting with the people in the community but do you also get some sick pleasure out of pushing the limits you, of it
1: <laughs> you know i I thought I didn't but I do yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, I um, um how how can i put it um so you know when you're in a death scenario like you're trapped somewhere and you manage to escape from it oh man you learn so much you learn from it you uh get new survival skills
0: that's never happened so whatever, to me but has that happened to you
1: <laughs> it, it has it has so i'm i'm going to tell you a story and okay. um probably this is uh me sharing my bad experiences so everyone can learn from. <laughs> so there was uh, there was one really emotional uh, flight that we were planning because it was uh, a farewell for one of our friends, and um, so it was the the last day that we were with him, and uh, I was planning on taping everything, like I was gonna record everything and have it there and like make a documentary out of it. I was flying, and I always fly with my camera. So I was focused on, on, on taking pictures and taking video that I got myself into a really dangerous spot. Like, if if you're flying and you get behind the mountain, you're really in a bad spot because mm. you can crash. You can go down. Um, so I was there, and uh, I spent, like, an hour, like, trying to get out of it. Oh, my like, God. Just, just like... Um, trying to escape it. And I could see everyone going ahead and just enjoying and then coming back and seeing if I, I was doing okay. And after an hour, everyone was like, okay, dude, you need help. Um, everyone was worried. And I managed to get out of there. And then the next hour, I went into the clouds and I was having a bliss. That was It was one of the best flights I've, I've ever had. But I had that bad experience, mm. right? so it kind of uh balanced out like it, it zeroed out but um the days after that the adrenaline kind of like were off and i i went into this analyzing mode where i was like okay dude that was really sketchy that was mm-hmm. near your death like you need to learn from this um and then the other side of me was like dude let's do that again like that was exciting um so you kind of uh get both ways um i didn't know i was uh looking for that kind of experiences but once you try it you're like and you know that you're good in it
0: Mm -hmm. so what exactly happened basically like you weren't able to get back up over the ridge and there was nowhere safe to land on that side of the mountain
1: yeah so if you get into into a similar spot, uh, there's something that um, because air is a fluid, so if you if you take a look at water and you see a rock, so water goes and crashes into the rock and then splits, right? Mm-hmm. But then it joins back in the back of the of the rock. So in order to do that, the water needs to accelerate on the bolts both sides, Mm -hmm. and match on the back. So when that happens, the velocity of the air is the double of what it it is in in reality.
0: Right. Mm.
1: So if you got a 40 kilometer wind, on the back spot, you have an 80 kilometer wind. And and our equipment is just suited for tops, 40 kilometers. Mm -hmm. So if you get a spot like that, it means that you're going backwards. And you don't you don't have control of your wing and you may crash. And there's also turbulence. So you get turbulence and uh, your wing starts to to move and you may have a collapse and your wing stops working and you go down. So I can go on and on Yeah. what can happen, but those are the two important things. Mm. So I, I was in that spot and I think my analytic side took took over. Like I was like, OK, you know what? This is not fun anymore. I'm just going to think and see how I can get out. Mm-hmm. Once I did that, the other side took over. Oh, okay. So I, I can stop thinking. I can start feeling and I just went for it. Um, so you kind of need those two sides to balance and, and make it work.
0: Wow. So it uh, sounds like a near catastrophe experience. Uh, it,
1: it was, it was, uh, I got a lot of hit for that. Uh, like uh, two hours later after landing, everyone was like, dude, we almost lost you. Uh, don't do that ever again. Um, let's, let's have fun, but be responsible.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is it a natural progression to start with paragliding and get into base jumping and uh, wingsuiting? Or is there a whole community that never really wants to progress to those things and sees paragliding as enough? Like, what's your kind of take on that?
1: Well, you, you can you can say that all of that is related to flying and being right. in the sky, and that uh, paragliding is the not the safest, but the most um, controlled and uh, uh, risk-free. Mm. Right? Every every everything is full of risk, but paragliding is the one that uh, gives you more control in terms of uh, you can grab a wing, analyze the patterns of uh, the weather and decide if you want to fly and go as long as you want or as short as you want, right? Um, and the other ones, they are a bit more extreme, like base jumping. You go to the top of a building and you jump and you trust the equipment. You mm-hmm. trust that you develop pulling and you only have a fraction of a minute or seconds to make everything work. Um, so they're different. They're always risk uh, but almost everyone that I know that, uh, that is practicing uh, those sports started with paragliding. Uh, there are people that start with skydiving because it has more people practicing it. And it's more commercial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then they move to paragliding. And then there's people that combine everything. Like you have paragliders that wear a base jumping rig. They go paragliding. They get rid of the paraglider and jump from the paraglider and they're base jumping, right?
0: wow that's crazy
1: yeah, so you get you get everything
0: there's uh I, I love these like little small niche communities like around these specific passions um and it's super cool to hear kind of about how like you've been describing uh, a natural growth and harmony between not just like doing the sport but actually like having an impact around the people in the sport it's pretty cool
1: yeah, no, I, I know it's uh, you, you get a community in the sport, right? So any progression you make, it's in terms of uh, making the community grow. So if there's someone pushing the limits of what's possible, you know for sure that there's a good probability that someone is going to follow you, right? So if you're combining extreme sports, you know that someone's going to be there Someone's going to follow your footsteps and maybe you end up creating a new vertical of the sport or a new kind of sport or a new way of just uh, enjoying everything. Man, I
0: love the way, I like that mindset that you have of just like creating new avenues of possibility no matter where you go. That's a that's a unique trait not many people have.
1: Oh, thanks. I haven't put it that way, but- Thanks.
0: no for sure i mean everything we talked about you're just like thinking about you know how how it could be changed or how it could be improved or it's pretty cool um to like see how that actually can be applied i'm excited to see this uh this project that you're building and uh gotta gotta give me the keys to it or let me see it before november because i don't think i can wait that long
1: no i i actually have a I plan is to um release it with uh people that i know that i that are involved in filmmaking and in the adventure community so uh i think Banff is there like there's a, well we're in the facebook group of, of Banff uh workshop so i'm gonna put it there cool i'm uh, sure i'm gonna share it you gotta put uh, this
0: conversation i'm gonna put this conversation in my uh, adventure filmmakers workshop as well I did another podcast with a guy who was in my class who's a filmmaker, Matt Melling, and I'm doing another conversation with someone else from the Banff Workshop from my year as well, uh, named Joel McNichol, who lives in Calgary on Saturday. So I'm, I'm uh, this is a small community and uh, super, super cool people part of it.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, from from uh, my experience there, it was really fun to just watch Films, but uh, for me, everything that Banff represents and 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 the festival represents is the community you get. So, like the second day I was there, I was just having breakfast, and this: uh, what are you here for? Uh, no, I'm 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 about participating. Oh, okay, so I'm doing something similar, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Turns out
1: it was someone that that was attending at my workshop too. Uh-huh. That was pretty sweet. And uh, my roommate working on a similar project, and uh, then just meeting someone randomly in in a coffee spot that was working on something similar to me it was, uh, uh, I think, just that was worth it. Being there.
0: That's awesome. I'm I'm super glad you had a good experience with it too. Um, for me, it was. Literally, the job I have now. I met my boss when I was at the. I met NASA when I was at the Adventure Filmmakers Workshop, and we still work together. Oh,
1: NASA! Yeah,
0: you remember her, right? NASA. She she's took your photo, your Facebook photo.
1: <laughs> yeah, she took she took um she took a lot of uh, of nice pictures, and uh, I remember that we went. Uh, we went f- making our film, right? We were having our uh, our footage um, reviewed, but she was part of it. Like she she uh, she helped us. Uh, we had Michael also as part of, uh, yep, of our talent, yeah, in our, in our film, and it was just fun. Like I, I've never uh, I've never had experiences with uh, with other creators that were so humble and and help. Like they really help. Everyone's like. Protect you of their tricks like i know how to do this but i'm not gonna tell you because it mm. took me years to learn it yeah but that was not the case like, i was just like so how do you do this and like ah oh, and she explained it yeah and uh, we were having trouble and she was there helping everyone in the workshop and every everyone in the in in Banff was just like that it was just amazing
0: yeah no i had the same experience and she's a super talented person i've learned a, a ton from her so um it's, it is crucial to have those people that you can look up to learn from. The conversation I had yesterday, you might want to take a listen to it if you get some time, but, uh, interviewed a guy who's a, a filmmaker and a creator and just like much further down the line in terms of how much experience he has than me. So I was asking him like very specific questions about how he edits his photos in Lightroom, his, his processes, his creative processes and, He's just like openly telling me, you know, stuff that probably took him years to figure out. And if I didn't fig- ask him or uh, if, you know, NASA hasn't like showed me certain things, then I would still be struggling in the mud trying to figure out the basics. And um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. To, to share knowledge is a special thing and big part of this podcast for sure. I, uh, I see it as like a pretty educational. It's fun, but also educational way to spend time.
1: And, you know, we, we need people that share knowledge openly. And um, I think just having, like, a podcast, it's uh, ten times better than having someone telling you what to do because you can go back and you can listen. Like, you can grab the reactions, like, when someone is explaining something and you get the sense of, uh, uh, okay, so this person is really passionate about it. So I think podcast is a format that um, it's a good learning and, and teaching tool.
0: For sure. Is this the first time you've done a podcast?
1: I've done a lot, uh-huh. uh, but not, not in this format. Not like in a, in an interview kind of uh, web-based. Uh-huh. So this, this is new for me. I've had a lot of uh, uh, like interviews over over Skype. Uh, but the thing is that it's kind of like monotonous, cause it's it's one question here, one question there, like, and that's that's the flow, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, we're openly sharing and uh, with the idea that someone's gonna listen and maybe take something from from what we're saying.
0: That's the hope, and I I know it's gonna happen for sure. And uh, you know, you just if you talk to someone who's passionate about what they do, chances are there's gonna be like real value that comes of it i've it's been uh without fail every conversation i've had has something to be taken from it for sure and uh yeah, yeah. no so we'll have to uh we'll have to do another one of these in the in the future at some point i want to hear the update
1: oh sure now we're, we're gonna have uh i think uh gonna give you some of the exclusive uh when we have it ready nice uh,
0: i'd also like to hear your feedback on the film i'm working on right now because i don't really have too many people to get feedback on it so before i actually put it out i'd love to send it to you see if you get see if you're entertained at all or see if it it makes no sense at all i'd love to hear
1: happy to go through
0: it so is there anything um i should ask at this point anything i missed that if you wished I could ask any questions what what's on your mind what other than paragliding and um, I I guess I would ask you we didn't really talk that much about it but with COVID you've been locked up in your place barely being able to get outside being someone who loves the outdoors uh, and loves paragliding you haven't paraglided in months like how are you dealing with that inside your own head and uh, coping with that stress I guess you will because that's a hot topic up here in the US. Uh, We got a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, and I'd be interested to hear about how you've got this smile on your face and this passion today. So,
1: You know, it's really hard because like, when you're used to being in in nature, you kind of have your own routine. Like you go out and you walk and you take a maybe hike and that clears your head, right? And maybe you have problems at home or problems at, at, at work, whatever. You go out and clear your head and not having that chance right now it's uh it's really hard because uh you know you you can be the most like you can be a adrenaline junkie like you can go skydiving, whatever risk you want to get into but i think the most dangerous thing everywhere is your mind so you tend to get into these scenarios in your head and uh, you maybe overthink or get into a panic mode and uh I have friends that due to covid have uh, this tendency and uh, not because I'm a more experienced guy, but because i has give me has given me some of uh, uh, some tricks on how to deal with um, uncertainty and and fear, I'm able to help and say, look, uh, this is going to pass and this is going to uh, be better and uh, maybe try this and try that. Uh, but that also takes a toll on me because I, I know that, shit, I can't go outside and do what I, I'm used to doing when I'm in this situation. But you know, getting focused on, on the projects that I'm working on, just uh, I have a lot of footage from like two, three years ago, like terabytes of footage. So just going through it and reviewing it and seeing how uh, I can work with it. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, it's uh, I have a lot of footage from nepal that i went to years ago and i had that chance to work on a preview a reel that if kobe was not here i will have it so so it's there's there's always something good and something bad i think um but uh it's been it's been hard because i see i go out and see the sky and oh man it's beautiful i mm-hmm. should be up there and i'm not there it's hard um
0: Jeez, man That's, uh, that's gotta be tough. I, I'm, I was, my life was impacted negatively, but I was able to continue working and I was never really, I never really had to stay at home. Like they said, stay at home for sure. But I was still always able to go up to the mountains 20 minutes away and ride my bike. So I can, I can feel for you, man. That's, uh, I hope it's over as soon as possible. How close are you to the nearest, like, place that you could fly your paraglide? Paraglider. uh,
1: So we have three main spots, and I'm really lucky to have uh, them, like, 15, 20 minutes away. So I just grab the wing, and I can go there and uh, just start flying. Um, But the thing is that even if I have them really close right now... uh, we are not allowed to be mm-hmm. outside. Like we, we are in military lockdown. Like, if yeah, you go- that's
0: what I'm trying to get at is like, it, would you get like arrested? Like how, what would happen?
1: So obviously if you know the mountains, you can keep any police officer that's there. And like, a, you know, the mountains better than they do. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if, if they get like, you only get one day. So if it's not your day, they are entitled to get you in a car, and the lowest thing that they can do is find you, mm. or throw you in in jail, right? Like wow. throw you in into a cell. Uh,
0: so and, can you uh, do your one day out of the house paragliding, or paragliding is totally closed?
1: No, it's it's. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna put myself in in the risk of yeah. Uh, uh I don't know let, let, let's say something something happens right now there's no health system supporting uh any accident that I, I may have true so I'm not I'm not gonna risk it uh, but it's been on my mind maybe if I can take advantage of my day I can go out and no one's gonna notice uh <laughs> tempting no one's gonna no? see me. yeah it's tempting but um uh, I gotta set the example because yeah I'm part of people promoting this sport
0: right right Um, Wow. well that's cool you've kind of got some uh like just passion for not just yourself but also like thinking about the overall community that's that's pretty cool i wish more people took that level of like stewardship into the stuff that they do i'm admittedly mountain biker but i've never gone out and built a trail you know other than maybe once or twice nearby my house, but like not actually I I use it and I don't contribute to building it. So there's like a paradox or there's a contradiction here that I, I got to act on and actually go put maybe just a weekend or two of, uh, kind of giving back to, I get so much value out of it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't necessarily put the love back into it that I should.
1: Yeah. But I I think that's, that's relative because, um, like, we here don't have this big community, right? So the guys that are building the sites are the same that that are flying them mm-hmm. and uh, are managing them, um, and that, that's that's okay. I mean, that's that's what we're here for, and that's the passion that we have, and we're gonna keep doing it. And if people come and they wanna fly, they can use it, and mm-hmm. obviously, as part of our association, um, that's cool. But like back there like you have a lot of people practicing the sport and you say that there's trails and people use it and people maintain it and there's the other ones that don't do anything um, but i think the the content you are creating you're contributing to uh to the sport and just putting content out there so you can take the space to uh, promote the activities and you can see this podcast is a product of using that trail that system of 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 spots that are available right so um, i think that's really valuable and not everyone that goes to those trails with a bike can do what you're doing right now so in a way you're also making uh, a contribution to the to the sport and the whole adventure ecosystem
0: i hope so i mean i i love i have my selfish reasons for doing this i just love the process of like getting in the flow state, literally, I was talking to this guy yesterday and talking to you today. It's almost like paragliding or mountain biking in the sense of it's like meditative to have a deep conversation with microphones recording, knowing that you're a hundred percent focused on what you're talking about. Right. Um, that's the main thing. I just love the process. But then if there's once in a while, a person will reach out to me and say, Hey, I got some value out of it. Or, um, yeah. So talking to you about paragliding specifically, is uh just right in line with that like in terms of just um the type of conversation i'd love to have so it's been it's been a treat to to talk to you man and had no idea where we were going to go with this conversation we spent just a few minutes laying down a little roadmap beforehand but that's the that's the beauty of just talking what you're passionate about there's always something
1: yeah it's uh always an adventure um yep. best. i think the best conversations come out from uh nothing scripted so uh when you have passion i think that's the only thing that that you need like the best i this is, this always happens to me like the best flights i've ever had i didn't have a camera recording mm. like i i didn't have anything to prove it <laughs> so so it, it's hard like explain look look i did this and i did that and i don't have video of it um but those are those are the best moments. And um I think it's because you're not focused on what should be happening. Mm-hmm. You're just living in the moment. So
0: I love it. Um one question to uh wrap up is if you were gonna go back and whisper in your eighteen-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? And I, I just while you're thinking on it, like I just wanna say the spirit of adventure that you and I share is uh very similar like I really believe that we just like there's a John Krakauer quote my buddy sent me from Into the Wild or one of the books that he wrote and it's just like the very nature of the very spirit of like what we're supposed to do as humans is that to have an endlessly changing horizon and each day be new and different and experiencing new things and one of the reasons yeah I just love talking to people for that reason because you're getting experiences through other stories and also i love the idea of just like creating an adventure every day that's the whole adventure creator thing so a lot of synergy in this conversation you were you were i was i was having to hold back a lot just like with throwing my my takes out there on how important it is to cr- be creative and also the value of adventure
1: i think i think um one when like the best advice that you can give someone is that you shouldn't take anything too serious Mm. and uh, also take it serious. Like it's a paradox, right? Do it, but don't do it. Uh, And once you get that, uh, that's where freedom comes from. So like, if you want to go flying, just do it. Uh, Just, just go for it. And um, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like just do it and don't do it. Um, don't
0: think about it. Ponder it forever.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I think that, that's the best advice I, I can give you uh, as, or give me back in my 18s. Um, that's but, great advice. Yeah. The thing is that th- behind that is that you can do anything that you want, right? And you are free and the only person commanding you is you. So don't take shit from, from others and... Don't let external things affect you, right? Um, I think that would be the summary of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, I don't fully understand that uh, right now, but uh, it's, it's a good advice and something that I would love to hear. Um, I have a friend, and he's, uh, uh, I think he, he, he's living in Seattle right now. I'm gonna put both of you in contact. And uh, cool, he's, he's also my mentor in in park lighting and. Like he's kind of a guru in, in the community. He is uh part of the of this NGO, the Cloud Foundation, and he was one of the teachers that came here. And he's been preaching these uh, not preaching, but spreading <laughs> this this concept of EWAP, right? And uh, the abundance model. So um ewap is everything that works out perfectly, right? Uh, everything is supposed to work that way. So ewoop with uh with covid 19 right if i didn't have covid 19 uh some of the projects that i'm working on right now won't be finished and uh the pandemic gave me that time and it also gave me time to reinvent myself into other things that i'm working on and so EWAP, everything worked out perfectly um so it's it's a it's a really powerful concept and um i think that's also another advice that i will give my myself back in time.